So a wonderful good morning. Um, some people would say also namaste. Um, we have um, an, a, a new Asia edition with our lovely co-host, uh, Cash. Cash, how are you doing, mate? All good? Hey, Paul. Yes, it's uh, just the end of uh, the day here. So uh, good morning to you and good afternoon from Asia, Singapore. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the only nice thing is now, the last couple of times we recorded, it was really, it was dark at my end when we started, but now you have to break of dawn at my end, and um, so we're both both basically now having a little bit of sunlight, which is a little bit nice, because I always felt like I'm getting up in the middle of the night, but um, yeah, it's great. So Cash, uh, what's new in Asia? What, what are the updates? I've seen on your, um, for, for a lot of people that don't know, Cash is doing a weekly roundup for Asia. So if you guys look him up on LinkedIn, um, Cash Hassan, um, he does a weekly roundup basically where he speaks about all the news of cloud and data center industry in Asia. But maybe Cash, instead of doing it in the outro, let's have a little bit of updates in the news in the intro. Yeah, thanks for that, Paul. So exactly right. If you want to keep up to date with all things hot in Singapore's data center world and cloud expo Asia, then you can find me on LinkedIn. And today, what we're going to take a look at is what's been quite an interesting uh, success story uh, for the digital landscape in uh, Southeast Asia is uh, Thailand. It's had quite strong sustained growth, um, an internet economy that's growing. And then, of course, uh, due to the COVID situation, it's forced a faster transition to digital. So despite all of this rising demand, the amount of co-location capacity in Thailand is quite low, particularly when you compare to some of the other countries in the region. So there's going to be a ton of opportunity for growth. Of course, local providers are expanding their footprint. You've had all the big cloud providers such as AWS have established country offices in Thailand. And with anything, there's also strong government backing. So they've got a policy of promoting the data center business as part of this digital economy initiative. So you're going to see lots of developments of technology clusters, future industries, data centers underscore some of the digital technologies, and then also digital public cloud giants have all set up and expanded over the past two or three years. So today, what we're going to hear from is the CEO of SuperNAP, uh, Sunita Boats, who has a tremendous story to tell about her own personal growth and development in the industry. And then, of course, we're going to get a really, really in-depth look of the supply, demand and supply side of the equation in terms of what some of these organizations like SuperNAP are doing to differentiate themselves by offering additional value-added services. So a lot of these data center operators are now providing managed services to application hosting and connect connectivity-based services. Um, so yeah, lots of interesting stuff for us to talk about. So I think on that note, we should uh, introduce our guest and uh, hand over to you, Paul, to introduce Sunita. So a wonderful good morning, a wonderful good evening, wherever you are in the world. Um, we're back for another lovely episode of this podcast of the Uptown Punks. And we have a great guest with us. Um, my co-host, Cash, in Asia, he has brought us somebody really um, amazing that does a lot of great work in the data center industry and comes from a part of the world that we haven't been to yet. 
And as you know, as Uptown Punks, we like to bring stories to your doorstep or to your ear from all around the globe. So, um, Sunita Botze, welcome here to the Uptown Punks. Uh, thank you. It's my pleasure to, to to have this conversation with you and Cash. Yeah. So, um, for for all for all of you that don't know Sunita or haven't heard about her before, she's the uh, CEO of Supernap, which is a, a tier four data center, which is one of the largest data center operators um, out in Thailand. But um, Cash is going to get into that a little bit later. But before anything, uh, we need to start with the usual uptime punk questions. So, Sunita, I'm just going to fire ahead then, if that's okay with you. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, so um, the, the, the first question we always ask everybody is, um, if, if you can recall, what was your first mobile phone? Okay, um, let me start with, uh, in 1994, uh, one of my best friends, who is still my best friend, uh, came to school with a pager, and normally we would only see doctors using pagers. However, the pager came really handy for our communication, since we were not... Um, in the same class. So when I wanted to communicate with my uh, friend during school hours, I would walk to a phone booth and, and page her to come down to meet me uh, at the school canteen. So this was uh, actually our first step to use another communication tool than the fixed uh, line. A year later, both of us got our first mobile phone, which was a Nokia. However, I cannot remember the model but I know that we were the first students at our school that had a mobile phone. Oh, wow. So you were also the first ones playing Snake then, yeah? This was like the, the, the highlight back then. I mean, this is the only thing that, that Nokia phones are remembered for. But yeah, pages, great. I had a page myself as well at some point. Um, I used to tell my mom to come and pick me up um, from wherever I was um, hiding. But yeah, great. Um, do, do you recall your first computer? Yes, that I can remember very well because uh, during my college year i saved money uh, from working part-time at an uh, human resource department of a hospital and with the money earned i bought my first computer which was the compact presario i i used that computer to write papers and essays for school but also to chat in the middle of the night uh, with my friends via amazon messenger and at that time, Amazon Messenger was a really popular uh, instant uh, messaging tool. Um, so yeah, I can remember that because I used it a lot. And, and was this your first interaction with with technology, or um, when was your first interaction with technology? Uh, yeah, how do you define technology? I mean, when I was growing up, we had uh, uh, the Atari, the, the the game that we played. Uh, okay. at, at home we played a lot of uh, video games at home so that's also kind of tech technology right if you look at the xbox yeah, course, and, yeah. and, and the playstations so that was in the early when i was um, yeah maybe seven eight years old and then afterwards as i mentioned the pager came the mobile phone then 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 i bought my own computer with my own money so i was really proud of that and yeah, then later on, uh, I think 2005, 2004, maybe the smartphones were introduced. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, <laughs> so um, we, we all had to go now through some sort of lockdown situations wherever mm -hmm. we are around the world. Mm -hmm. And during that period of time, everybody has somehow discovered for himself uh, 
uh, a lockdown gadget, as I like to call it here, the Uptown Pugs. So it can it can start with uh, uh, some guys have bought themselves a little uh, flipper machine for the a pinball flipper machine for the mm-hmm. for the living room. Um, what, what was the gadget that, that you have discovered for yourself that kept you a sort of a little bit connected to the world and made you a little bit more sane? Uh, actually, it might sound like a cliche, but it is my iPhone. So okay. uh, yes, with this uh, device in my palm, right? It allows everyone to be multifunctional. Um, you can do your work, answer your emails, uh, download files, sign documents because we were working for a long time at home. Uh, but it also allows me to communicate with my friends and family in the Netherlands, um, to use FaceTime, use all kinds of apps, as well as to carry out my financial transactions, order food, um, doing online shopping. And I also like to play games, as I mentioned. So uh, games like Sudoku, Trivia. Scrabble because it really relaxed me. Okay. And one other thing that came really handy is an app that I downloaded that stores all my memberships and reward cards. In, oh, wow. In, yeah, in Thailand, there are so many membership and reward programs <laughs> that I need to carry a separate wallet to store all these cards. And sometimes for more everywhere. Yes, and, 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 and sometimes I just forget this card, so I cannot collect points or get discount. So yeah, but I'm sure I'm not the only one with this. So now that I discovered this app, um, it will not happen to me because all the cards are stored in this app on my phone, and I always have the phone with me. <laughs> oh wow, that's great. Okay. Um, yeah, miles from yeah, it's true because you have so many. I, I mean, you have cards. You probably don't even know that you have it. Um, exactly. the, the only thing is missing that somebody comes up with an app with it all combined into one card. So then you just have to tap one card, and it automatically picks the program that you're working with. That would be mm-hmm. maybe uh, that would be maybe a good business idea. But um, <laughs> moving forward from there, um, you, you work in the data center industry, and we always um, the, the podcast is called the Uptime Punks. So mm-hmm. we always ask our guests, um, what is the definition of uptime for them? How would you define uptime from a personal and from a professional perspective? Okay, let me start with professional. So uptime uh, equals the availability and reliability of the IT infrastructure, which includes, in our case, the critical systems and machines. And if we look at SuperNAP Thailand, our data center, that means 100% availability 100% of the time. Because uh, we are a tier four data center that guarantees in our SLA to our clients 100% uptime. And actually, we are the only uh, data center in Thailand to do so. So that is from a professional point of view. If I look at a personal, for me, it it means being healthy and able to do the things that I like and I'm passionate about. But also at the same time, by lifting others up uh, so that they also have a happy and healthy life. Okay, wow. Thank you so much. And with with this um, great statement, I'm going to um, let Cash take us all the way to the Thailand data center industry. Yeah, thanks, uh, Paul. Uh, also, growing up in the 80s, uh, Atari was very much a staple <laughs> in our household as well, uh, Sunita. I, I feel... I became a much more popular person in school when my newfound friends realized I had an Atari at home. (laughs) (laughs) Some very, very good uh, time. So thanks for sharing that. And I think that leads us quite nicely into our next question. 
something that we always are intrigued about. How did you get into the data center um, industry? Was there a fairly straightforward path for you or was there a, a twist of circumstances or, or fate which, which led you into the industry? I think it's the latter the fate <laughs> so yeah let me let me start uh, at the beginning so after i finished uh, college in the netherlands i wanted to travel and explore the world so i decided to relocate uh, from one year to an island within the kingdom of the netherlands and i selected this island so i could speak dutch without having to brush up my english first so the aim was to travel and explore the caribbean region However, after six months living on the island, my savings were depleting. And at that time, I was not ready to go back to the Netherlands. So I tried to find a job that would allow me to stay on the island. And I succeeded and found a job at a bank. I enjoyed my job back then, and I decided to stay on the island for a longer period uh, of time. And after several years uh, working uh, on the island, I was approached, and this is, um, I think, around um, 10 years ago, I was approached by a business acquaintance of mine um, who introduced me to a CEO uh, that had an idea to build a tier four data center in the Latin, uh, Latin America and Caribbean region. And um, they approached me for the vice president position. So at that time, I had zero experience in data center or tech technology industry but i had gained some startup experience in my former positions and that was one of the main reasons why this ceo recruited me to help him build the first tier four certified data center in the latin uh, region so i started in 2011 as the vice president and i was immediately responsible for overseeing the construction and the project uh, management of the data center, as well as setting up the internal organization and recruiting people for uh, the data center. At that time, I can remember that there were only nine tier four data centers in the world, and we managed to obtain the design and construct a tier four certification for the data center. So that was quite a huge accomplishment, which I'm still really proud of. And uh, besides these certifications, I was also responsible for obtaining other certifications like the ISO, the SOC 2, and LEED. And um, in addition to my day-to-day -day task, I was really eager to learn more about the data center business. So I started to attend data center courses and training and obtained um, certifications because I don't have an engineering or technical uh, background, but because of my passion that I developed, throughout my tenure at that data center, um, I wanted to learn what's happening in each um, area of the data center. So uh, in 2015, I was approached for the CEO position at SuperNAP Thailand. So I moved from the other part of the world to Thailand to take on the role of the CEO. Okay, pretty awesome story there uh sunita and we'll definitely dig into a little bit of that when we we wrap up and i think you've got some advice for for some young people looking to get into the data center industry but I, i'd be kind of curious you know and, and certainly people uh, who, who are not familiar with supernap a little bit about the history background why thailand and maybe the vision for what's going on for the 
digital economy in in Thailand. Okay, so um, I can assume that both of you have heard about uh, Switch, the technology company in the US. Yes. Okay, so let me first start with the history of uh, Switch uh, because it's quite important um, how we started at Supernet Thailand. So uh, more than 15 years ago, the founder and CEO of Switch, Mr. Rob Roy, he realized that the data center industry was going to experience an unbelievable growth in all aspects of scope and consumption. So it was that time that he put forth his first patented design uh, for the switch uh, wattage density modeler design program. Since that time, um, Rob Roy added numbers of patent claims and has currently developed over 500 issued and pending patents. In 2016, his uh, vision expanded with the construction of the revolutionary SuperNAP product. So these data center ecosystems go beyond securely housing the computer and storage and enterprise connectivity for leading uh, global companies. And then in 2014, which is quite important for us as SuperNAP Thailand, Switch entered into a partnership with uh, ACDC Fund, a European-based company, and they incorporated SuperNAP International. And SuperNAP International is the exclusive license of Switch patent design and operation protocols outside the US, and is also the developer of SuperNAP Italy and SuperNAP Thailand. So uh, this brings me to SuperNAP Thailand history. So um, in 2014, when, when SuperNAP International was incorporated, um, our local Thai partners, they all noticed the demand for a highly scalable and secure data center in the country because data storage, processing, and distribution by consumers and business was in high demand. So we partnered with these uh, local companies because they approached uh, SuperNAP Thailand at the time if we were interested to build um, a data center for our partners as well as other large enterprises and cloud providers. So we partnered with them and uh, our data center is based on the design of Switch, tier four uh, rated data centers, which are in the uh, US. And in 2016, 18 months later, uh, in 2007, sorry, in 2016, we broke ground. And then 18 months later, in 2017, we opened our first data center, which is the first tier four certified uh, multi-tenant carrier neutral data center in Thailand. So this is how uh, SuperNAP Thailand started. And um, our vision when we started was, uh, it's actually uh, twofold. The first one was always to be the most advanced data center in, um, in ASEAN, delivering the most secure, scalable, and resilient infrastructure that meets and exceeds the highest industry standard of the region because we take uh, compliance uh, really serious. So we have a lot of certifications, not only to say that we meet and exceed the industry standards, but also that we can show that to our uh, clients and prospects. And our second vision is, and that's also one of the reasons why we built the data center in Thailand, is to support the country's vision that focuses on promoting and supporting innovation, creativity, um, higher technologies and green technologies. And um, I'm sure you have heard about Thailand 4.0. So that, that means that the government is focused to uh, transform uh, the economy into a digital economy. 
So Supernap Thailand um, is positioned quite strategically in an area that we call the EEC. Not sure if you have heard about it. Um, it's the Eastern Economic Corridor. And this area consists of three provinces where the government heavily invested in um, to improve um, the connectivity by rail, by road, as well as by sea. Uh, there will be smart cities uh, developments. The, um, they are attracting a lot of uh, investors to this area um, because there's a lot of manufacturing uh, in that area and some tech co companies and logistics. So being in that area, it will allow uh, SuperNAP Thailand to be uh, the backbone uh, of the, uh, the EEC. So that was also one of the reasons why we um, selected um, Thailand. Yeah, that's interesting you mentioned that, Sunita, because one of the things that we've certainly noticed across some of the other emerging markets, whether it be India or Indonesia, is, is very, very strong uh, government backing or government policy and it, it seems that part of the success that uh, the development success that Thailand is currently experiencing is in line with the policy of promoting the data center business as part of this digital economy initiative part of I think it's called Thailand 4.05 is that correct 4.0 4.0. Okay, I yes, just correct. added a 0.5 on. <laughs> and adding technology clusters and, and future industries. So the digital landscape um, is, is definitely shifting. So if we see that demand is projected to, uh, to rise from, from your perspective, from, from a SuperNAP perspective, how does the supply side of the equation look if you're a fast-growing startup or a huge public cloud uh, giant in, in order to access the capacity they may need to support that rapid growth. Okay, actually, if you look at Supernap Thailand, as I as I mentioned about uh, the modular design of Switch, um, we uh, build in a modular design, so we have the scalability to to provide um, and accommodate the demand of um, the cloud providers, the OTT players, large enterprises. Because of our design and our model, we are quite, um, we can roll it out quite fast. We can add new uh, additional air handy units and digital generators, UPSs, PDUs, because of our um, modular um, data center. So from a, from a supply point of view, if I look at SuperNAP Thailand, we don't have any any constraints. We also bought a lot of land already uh, when we when we started uh, this project back in 2014. So it will also allow us uh, to to um, grow and expand. So we have already taken that in consideration uh, because we were already foreseeing what um, the Thailand 4.0 would mean to our business as well and all the government initiatives, what's happening in our area. So that's one of the reasons that we bought the, bought the large piece of land so we know we can uh, expand further and will not have any problems to meet the demands of these um, uh, large enterprises, OTT players, cloud providers, and uh, government entities. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And that, and that goes along the trends. We've just seen a lot more organizations uh, offering additional value-added services as well, whether that be managed services and application hosting. And I, I, sure I, I saw a recent um, news announcement where you were partnering up with um, Cisco and an organization called 
and Jenna, right, around some value-added SD-WAN solutions. Am I getting that correct? Yes, that's correct. So, you know, um, for data center players, it's really important to, to build out your ecosystem. The more services that you can offer, the better your chances to close mm. the deal because customers nowadays, as you mentioned, they also want managed services. It, it, it will not only be co-location. So uh, when we started the data center, our main focus was uh, to get cloud providers in our ecosystem because um, cloud computing, uh, the growth in cloud computing is, is, is rising. And we added gradually uh, also the SD-WAN solution. So we partnered uh, with Cisco and with Engena um, last year and we announced it uh, this month. So we are now also able to provide these solutions and this is a quite um, beneficial solutions for large enterprises that um, have many branches, campuses and locations. So uh, where they can connect all these branches, campuses and um, other data centers. So this will improve the network speed, the security and the efficiency. So we added that, we added our cloud um, computing services as well as some uh, managed services and also our DDoS solutions. So with all these different solutions, we will be able to, to capture a bigger market um, share in, in Thailand. Yep, yep, superb. And it, one can only uh, imagine, we've asked this question uh, previously, but building a tier four data center, I can only imagine you know, what went into the design, the engineering, uh, the custom manufacturing of all the different kind of components, you know, electrical, cooling, civil engineering, control design. So, so, so what was that like? And what, what sort of ecosystem partnerships did you form with some of the OEMs out there? Okay, so I have done this uh, twice, as I mentioned in, in, in um, Latin America Caribbean, where we were also uh, tier four certified. However, it was a smaller scale data center than SuperNAP Thailand, but I mean, uh, the drill is the same, right? So if I look at SuperNAP Thailand, uh, because of our uh, uh, relationship with Switch, we have a lot of uh, partners that knows our design for decades and that switch works with and we use these same partners uh, and so that would make it um, easier for us to not only design the data center for uh, thailand because what we did is we localized some of our ex uh, uh, engineering like the mechanical electrical because here we have a different voltage than for example in the us so um, we use the same designs but we localized it and then we use the same uh, partners, which many of our global partners have presence in Thailand. So uh, we work with them. They knew our, our um, designs, our operating protocols, uh, the way that our data center is uh, constructed. They know the critical infrastructure, the equipments, the systems. So that makes it a little bit um, beneficial for us. However, the tier four process to get certified is always I find it a painful process because it takes such a long time and uh, to get it certified and there's a lot of detail that comes along and uh, for the tier four they um, look at different aspects in comparison with the tier three because uh, tier four they also look at the fault tolerance uh, component um, that means that the data center should be able to function uh, 
without any uh, errors. It will allow for an error, but that means you will be able to, to operate as, as normal. So that means that they will look at each circuit breaker, um, the single line diagram. So it goes really in depth, the, the assessment of, of uh, the folks at uptime. So it was quite a painful process, but we managed it. And because of our great partnership with um, some of our local partners in Thailand, we were able to get um, uh, the certification. So, um, and also because of our strong relationship with them, because we have the history from our US um, company. So that made it uh, easier from a collaborative uh, point of view. Yeah, nice, nice. So certainly poised to meet some of the emerging uh, demands across you know, retail, media, manufacturing, um, banking, finance, um, IoT, machine learning, AI, big data, all, all of the major mega trends that we're, we're seeing globally that shaping consumer behavior and some of the industrial production of new technologies and, and adoption. What, one of the points that Paul and I have been discussing, I think actually Paul, Paul ran a, a really, really good session yesterday on this topic, and I know he's kind of keen to ask you about, but uh, Paul, you have a question for Sunita about sustainability, right? Yeah, so um, I, I wanted to know in terms of sustainability and um, across the globe, the the, the the topic of zero carbon footprint and um, even now the new thing is I think um, is, is water positive. So you basically generate more water than you use to cool down your data center. I don't know if you guys use eMERGE cooling or what kind of cooling systems you guys are using, but yeah, maybe you can, because you guys build a new facility, maybe you can give some insights on that perspective from your end, if it's on your radar, if you guys are doing it, and yeah. Okay, so actually we are a really um, um, environmental friendly and sustainable uh, focused company. So um, SuperDep Planet itself, we have a lot of sustainability uh, goals. So the first one is um, energy management. Second one is waste management. The third one is sustainable community. And then the fourth one is uh, renewable energy. So if you look at our uh, data center, we are able to achieve a low uh, PUE, that stands for power uses effectiveness uh, level. And that means that we run our data center in an efficient uh, way. And did, uh, we were able to run in an efficient way because of one of our designs, which is a switch patent. And we call it the TSCIF. It's a thermal separate compartmental facility, which is a 100% heat containment platform that completely separates the hot and cold aisle, ensuring that the hot equipment exhaust uh, is never blended into the cold aisle in the data center. But this TSCIF uh, works in tandem with our air handler unit that has its own environmental station and software that will decide uh, based on the ambient condition, which three types of cooling or the combination thereof is the most efficient way to cool and humidify the air uh, into our data hall. So for example, um, if it is uh, rain season, our air handling units will use a different mode. When it's the hot season, it will use in a different mode. So uh, in this way, we are quite energy efficient. We also have equipped our data centers with light motions and LED lights. And when you look at the waste uh, management, um, we have uh, many, many policies in place. And one of them is um, 
to affirm our commitment to to reduce and recycle uh, waste produce and to make sure that we uh, are in compliance with the uh, legal and local requirements so in our data center we have installed highly efficient toilets that saves a substantial amount of water uh, we don't use uh, plastic uh, bottles and uh, we, and also not uh, uh, paper we try to digitalize as much as possible with digital signatures um, however sometimes um, our customers they require forms and, and requests to be signed with red signature so then yeah we have no choice but internally we try to do that as much as, as possible and we try to minimize um, our waste management so we separate our materials in different bins for recycling uh, purposes and um, about renewable energy if you look at uh, switch switch data centers are running on 100% renewable energy and one of our primary goals for this year is um, to use renewable energy as well so we already are in discussions with renewable energy providers and uh, it is it is our intent to procure electricity from these renewable energy suppliers and um, in the future we also aspire to have our own solar uh, panel park to to power our future data centers as i mentioned about uh, the expansion uh, plans and then uh, our final goal is a sustainability community it's not only about of course supernap but also how can we support and help the local community to have food security, clean water, sanitation, better health, and quality of uh, education. So we provide donations to these institutions and hospitals, and we also work really closely with uh, the universities in um, the Chumburi area where our data center is located, but also uh, in Bangkok where our branch office is uh, located. So these are some of our sustainability uh, goals. And we also uh, educate our employees a lot. Like last year, uh, December, we always do our town hall. So this year I decided uh, to invite a local type. Um, um, it's, it's like more like an um, association. They call it Last Plastic Thailand. And I wanted um, our employees to be aware of um, how much plastic and bottles and all those things uh, we use without thinking about the environment. So uh, the people of Less Plastic, they came to our data center where we organized a workshop and in a fun way, like doing a quiz with answering, uh, asking a lot of questions about uh, how many plastic does a household use per year. Um, so they did it in a fun way and also in an educational way. So in this way, I was trying to uh, have my employees also to be aware about um, sustainability and, and the environment and because we are committed to be a green green office so one of my goals for 2021 and onwards is to keep working and collaborating with associations and companies um, to make sure that everything that we do it's in a sustainable and in an environmental uh, friendly manner Uh, some great stuff you guys are doing out there. Um, I'm very, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that it's on on top of your um, 
top of your to-do list and you guys have it on top of your mind as well and you really try to the, I, I always like to say the change starts with you and um, I mean you said already great that, that this year you you got them to educate your employees as well so hopefully they will take that um, it's the right way forward because we can't ignore it but uh, yeah let's not become too environmentalistic <laughs> but, <laughs> no it's, it's it's a passionate topic because um, we came across it in the uptime punks quite a couple of times and um, it's 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 really good to see because data centers in the past were always pointed at for being the the people that basically drain the energy and just pollute the environment and but then on the other hand this is how the podcast was born was that Without data centers, um, in situations like this pandemic at the moment, um, the world was, wouldn't be connected. And this is something we should never forget because um, that's why data centers are critical infrastructures. But um, And to run a critical infrastructure and also think about sustainability is just a great achievement. So um, thanks for the work you guys are doing out there. And, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Sunita. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I omitted to mention another um, important aspect on our um, sustainability initiative. Yes, I'm quite passionate about this topic, but we also work closely with iMasons. I'm sure uh, you have yeah. heard of iMasons. So um, we're going to launch our Thailand chapter uh, this quarter. Okay, wow. Yes, yes. So that will be uh, together with uh, Schneider Electric, will be our, our um, partner. So we will be the um capital partners for the, the thailand chapter and one of our focuses will be definitely the sustainability strategy of i masons and how we can roll that out in thailand and get more and more companies be involved in in helping and supporting us in achieving this global goal yeah because it's like, yeah it's because everybody has to work hand in hand and um, i think it's a project that everybody uh, needs to drop um we I always like to say everybody has to drop titles and doesn't matter if you're competitors when it comes on the business it's something where we all come together and join hands so um yeah it's a great thing so um that this means we need to have you back uh, sooner or later and have you speak about how the project is going in thailand with the iMason sustainability rollout um but yeah it's it's, it's really great I, I know that iMasons are doing quite a lot of very great things in that um aspect even in the us and in europe so um yeah. Yeah, big shout out to them as well for doing that um, great work. And I think Cash has some more um, topics he wanted to discuss with you as well. Uh, the sustainability issue is is fantastic, Sunita. And it was interesting. You mentioned Uptime when they launched their report on I think five major trends that they said would be a major play of this year's um, data center industry. Sustainability was a key one and they went so far mm -hmm. to say the days of greenwashing are over for the data center industry and we need to see more material outcome. So the fact that SuperNAP and yourself clearly seem a, ahead of the curve, both from an organizational perspective, mm -hmm. the impact upon the environment and on an individual community perspective is is incredible. And I Masons, yeah, great kudos to Dean Nelson mm -hmm. and the crew. We've had Joshua Au, who's the the chapter lead for iMations here in, in Singapore uh, on. So maybe we can connect some of the, the, the chapter heads from different countries, Paul, and have a little bit of a powwow together in a, in a few weeks. I, I think that would kind of be interesting, but it dovetails me into my next question, which I think is equally as Im important. Um, any of us who's worked in the data center industry for you know, 10, 15 years, or even if you walk into a data center conference, never been there before, and 
it's a very close interconnected industry, which certainly has its benefits. But on the flip side of that, there does seem to be a, a lack of diversity. And one of the things that yourself and Joshua, who we've spoken for, is quite passionate about is, is bringing more people in from different backgrounds and also um, talent retention or talent, talent mm -hmm. attraction has been pretty key. So if you could give um, advice to uh, young people or from people from different walks of life and background of, of getting into the data industry, industry, maybe a good way to kind of wrap up the, the episode would be to get a little bit of insight and some recommendations from, you know, somebody that's been there and done it and is sitting, you know, right at the top of the industry doing some fantastic work. Okay. Um, first of all, I, I would say to the younger people is just do it. If you are interested to uh, looking to get into the data center industry, you just have to do it. Uh, find a mentor in the data center field, someone who inspires you, and just reach out to the person. Um, young people, they, they know their dreams. Uh, they should know, in my opinion, that their dreams are possible and realistic. And talking with someone who is doing what uh, they want to be doing one day will help them to remind that dreams are possible to achieve. Uh, what I would also say is that these young people, they should request data center providers if they can take a look inside their data centers, like a one-day tour. Many data centers are already offering internship, and the one-day tour can be incorporated in the training and learning program to promote uh, STEM. At SuperNet, we provide this internship program and collaborate, as I mentioned, with a lot of university. And we are definitely open for younger people or anyone who wants to uh, work in the data center industry to provide them with a one-day or two-day tours. Another advice is to start attending fundamental data center courses and training to gain at least uh, the basic knowledge about the data center. This will give the younger people a head start. There are many webinars that are free to attend, and this will help to get the younger people in the business by networking with the participant. Personally, I'm also willing to help and support um, if it's younger people or even older people to be active in STEM and take away the misconception that STEM is boring. So I want to say to all the people that uh, will listen to this podcast, do not hesitate to contact me if you want to pursue a career in the data center industry and want to learn more about our industry, uh, I'm, I'm happy to share my knowledge, my experiences and lessons learned because what I have experienced as a, as a female in this industry is that sometimes uh, people um, underestimate me or discount me. Um, and once they get to know me and they see the capabilities of SuperNAP Thailand, what we can offer, um, the knowledge that I can offer and, and the mentorship or how I deal with my clients, how I help my team to do the solution engineering, then I gain the confidence of, of clients or third parties. But in the beginning, they're always skeptical when they hear, oh, uh, there's a female CEO at the helm of this company. So I have dealt with that um, so, so many times. And, and still, I see that people are uh, prejudging. So for me personally, I would really like to help 
anyone who's interested to be in this industry and it's absolutely not boring it's, it's just a great industry to be in and this industry will only grow as as cash also already mentioned about all the digital transformation all the journeys that companies are going through uh the impact of the COVID 19 that has on um, uh, that has accelerated uh, us to use more uh, digital tools so um please feel free to reach out to me i think that's my my message <laughs> well that well that's an incredible um offer and i'm sure that uh, many people will do so and we hope they do so and if anybody was uh foolish enough to uh, underestimate you, Sunita, uh, <laughs> having spoken to you and work with you, they do so at their peril. So I think on that note, we, we thank you for your attendance today and um, certainly look forward to continuing the success of SuperNAP and watching your career rise and helping others to achieve similar goals. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Hey, so, I think that I, was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs>
exactly. That's that's life is on. And, life, um, life, life is in, uh, indeed is on, uh, my good friend. So I hope all your lives go on as well, and um, you stay healthy and take care of your families and enjoy the moments with your loved ones. And thank you for listening to this podcast and tune in for another one um, very soon because um, some great stuff is coming up this year. 21 is the year when the uptime punks take over the world. But anyways, let's not be too pinky in the brain here because that's what people are starting to compare us to already, that every week we're planning how to take with our sustainability plans the world over. But um, Hey, Paul. <coughs> hey, Paul. What, what, what are we, we going to do next week? Huh? Well, just do another podcast and <laughs> take over go. the world. Hey. <laughs> and as we say in Wales, yaki da to your good health. No worries. Thank you, my friend, and thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.